Share the wonder of God's love this Christmas by shopping with Focus on the Family Canada. Find something for everyone on your list this Christmas. You'll find the latest adventures in Odyssey for Kids, faith-building devotionals, fun-filled family entertainment, and so much more. Your purchase helps support families across Canada through biblically-based guidance, resources, and prayer. Quick, easy, and convenient, you'll get all your shopping done on your coffee break or from the safety of your home. Visit us online at shop.focusonthefamily.ca. But here's the thing. I want my kids to know I cherish your mom. It's not enough that we made it to 36 years of marriage. I want him to be able to say when I die, he cherished her for 50 years or 60 years. Love is good. Love is great. But love and cherish is even better. Does that idea sound good to you? Gary Thomas will explain how to take your marriage beyond the duty of love to the higher goal of actually cherishing your spouse. This is a best of 2021 edition of Focus on the Family with your host, Focus President Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, this program was very popular when we aired it in May, so we're bringing it back for another listen. Uh, You know, whenever we have Gary Thomas on this broadcast, I always feel inspired to do better in my relationship with Gene, and that's a great benefit of doing this job. We get free marriage advice. We do, and plenty of it. (laughs) That's true. Today, we're going to share a pre-recorded message from Gary, and it's a great overview of his book called Cherish, The One Word That Changes Everything for Your Marriage. And I'd encourage you to get a copy from us here at Focus on the Family Canada, where the proceeds go right back into ministry. And you can learn more about Gary Thomas and that book, Cherish, at focusonthefamily.ca. And we're going to start this message uh, after some opening remarks. Here now is Gary Thomas speaking at an event sponsored by Focus on the Family. Wayne Williams grew up a Chicago Cubs fan because that was his dad's favorite team. It was his childhood. He and his father would listen to the games as they went throughout the car, driving around town, occasionally visit games, watch them on television. If you know anything about Major League Baseball, you know that for years, being a Chicago Cubs fan was an exercise in frustration and futility. It had been over 100 years since they'd been back to the World Series, but Wayne and his dad made a pledge, as good fans do, when, not if, when the Cubbies made it back to the World Series, they would listen to the games together. Wayne wouldn't have had it any other way. It was just a part of his childhood. He couldn't imagine wanting to experience the World Series without his dad there. So when the Cubs finally made it back in 2016, it was a bittersweet moment for Wayne. It was sweet because the Cubbies are back in the big show. It was bitter because it was going to be very difficult for Wayne to keep that pledge. He now lives in North Carolina. His dad was located all the way in Indiana. But Wayne grew up with the belief, if you make a promise, you keep a promise. So he traveled all the way from North Carolina to Indiana. And another thing that made it a little more difficult is that Wayne's dad had actually passed away some years before. But Wayne felt like that pledge still mattered. So he traveled to Indiana, set up his camp chair on his father's grave, turned on his phone, and Wayne and his father listened to the Cubs win the World Series together. Now, I don't know if that story moves you as much as it moves me, but the thought that a guy would keep his promise, 
in that sense, we can say, well, it's just a sentimental promise from my childhood and my dad's not even still alive. It, it doesn't matter. But that he would still feel that his word mattered moves me. And perhaps it moves me because God challenged me with the promise I had made to completely renew my marriage. I thought I'd already had a pretty good marriage. But God reminded me of a pledge I made to my wife over 36 years ago, a pledge probably most of you made if you use traditional vows, and it's this. I promise to love and to cherish until death do us part. You know what, that's probably the last time I ever thought of the word cherish and never, never entered my mind again. Spoke a lot about love, wrote books talking about love and marriage. And when I would speak on seminars, and last session would be on love. And I really believe God said he was doing a new movement where he wanted me to understand what it means to cherish my wife, learn to put it into practice, and then as it works, begin to share it with others. And as we did, even though I said my wife and I felt like we already had a pretty good marriage, doing that, raising the bar from just love to love and cherish, lifted us to an entirely new level of delight in our relationship. Now, love is still the foundation of marriage. It's sacrifice, service, hanging in there, loyalty, commitment. Every marriage needs that. But cherish, well, so you could call love sort of the bread, the substance of the relationship. Cherish is the jam. It's what makes the bread delicious. And here's what I wondered, I thought that maybe what God was up to, that we don't just define marriages by they made it to 50 years or 60 years, or as Paul Harvey used to say, some of them even 70 years. But they would be qualitative years, not just measuring our marriages by their quantity, but as a Christian church modeling to the world that we seek a particular quality and cherish could be that platform, it could be that bar that we look, that we evaluate ourselves as we seek to raise our marriage. And for me, the big difference is that love focuses me on my obligations. I need to sacrifice, I need to serve, I need to be faithful. Cherish focuses me on the beauty, the excellence, the worth, the wonder of my spouse. And so she doesn't think I'm there just because I made a promise and I'm trying to hold to it, but instead I'm learning to train my mind and my heart to see the wonder of who she is, the wonder that made me want to marry her in the very first place. I think that cherish is essential, not just if you want to give your wife or your husband a special experience or if you want to have a super marriage. I actually think pursuing cherish is essential to not slip back into contempt. And the reason is this, we don't live in a neutral world. As fallen people in a fallen world, we live in a world that assaults our affections for each other on a daily basis. We can have an all-star weekend and then life happens. Shortly after my wife and I became empty nesters, we got to spend a weekend with my youngest daughter. She was back up in Philly, so we traveled from Houston and we knew it would be a fun weekend Kelsey's our last born. She's the classic extrovert. Just a lot of fun to be around her. We knew we'd have a lot of fun. We also knew it'd be a meaningful relational time. Those of you who are empty nesters know that when the kids go away, you just, you just love the thought of getting to spend an entire weekend with them. So, so it was a great weekend that was firing on all cylinders. We had a, a fun time, the relational time, the romantic time. 
And I was just determined, since it's one of those all-star weekends, I wanted to take that Philadelphia feeling and bring it back to Houston, right? Just kind of keep that glow. And the challenge was the very next morning, we had the first flight out of Philly back to Houston. It's a concession from my wife. I had a full day of work ahead. And it's not a problem for me to get up early. I, I'm sort of like a farm animal. I, I get up so early, the first number is usually a four when I wake up. My wife is definitely not a morning person. So I'd been up for a couple hours. I'd already had my caffeine. And Lisa was getting up. And I, I wanted to make sure we made it to the plane on time. Because I believe in boundaries, right? I believe you leave enough time so that if every light is red and you get a flat tire and the plane leaves on time, you're still there, you left boundaries. Unfortunately, my wife doesn't believe in boundaries. My wife believes in divine intervention, right? As long as God knows she really intended to leave on time, she really tried hard, he'll make every light green, he'll hold the plane at the gate, he knows her good intentions. And I I didn't want to pressure her because, well, I'm not clinically OCD, I live in the neighborhood right next door to it. I, I know that can be obnoxious. And I didn't want to lose this Philadelphia feeling, so I, I was trying to be as gentle as I could. Well, honey, you, you think we could leave pretty soon? And she said, uh, taxi's out front. I was like, whoa. I mean, I shocked. How did she get up early and order the taxi? That's fantastic. So I just kind of chilled out with my phone and email for five minutes, and she sits up the suitcase and says, all right, you can take the suitcase. Did you call the taxi? I said, no. You said the taxis are out front. She goes, no, I didn't. I said, call the front desk, see if there's a taxi out front. If there's not, have them order one. Now, between you and me, I heard four syllables. Taxis out front. I'm a morning person, she's not. I'd had caffeine, she hadn't. I felt like in a court of law, I would win this marital discussion. But I didn't want to win. I wanted to keep this Philadelphia feeling all the way to Houston. And so we have this silly way of dealing with it that, actually can work. We just put our arguments in the third person. So we're walking toward the elevator and I go to my wife. I said, you know, honey, I I don't know what it's like in your marriage, um, but in my marriage, one thing that makes it difficult, if my wife wakes up early and hasn't had her caffeine, I, I get four syllables And I'm supposed to get an encyclopedia of information out of it. And I want to please her, but it's just hard for me to do that. He says, yeah, that sounds like it would be difficult, but you know, it's not nearly as difficult as what I have in my marriage. (laughs) I said, really? She goes, yeah. I I have a husband who doesn't listen to me very carefully, but he thinks he does. And so I give him very clear directions and he doesn't pick them up. And then it's all my fault. And I said, yeah, that sounds like it would be more difficult. Which, guys, that's how that exercise always ends. I'm just tipping you off at the start. But here's the thing. If I were to ask you what makes your marriage difficult, nobody in here would have to say, give me 10 minutes so I can think of something. You know immediately, because every marriage is difficult. And so some of you are hoping I will call on you and you can tell the entire room what's difficult about being married to the person you're here with, because that's all just the reality of marriage. And so cherishing helps us push back against that difficulty to remember why we married our spouse, why we celebrate our spouse in the first place. 
And is it possible to get there? I truly believe it is because the perfect God who cherishes the imperfect us is more than capable of inspiring us, equipping us, and empowering us to cherish our imperfect spouse. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. At Focus on the Family Canada, we hear from moms, dads, grandmas, and grandpas who are dealing with difficult situations. Whether it's strained marriage, the demands of parenting, or some other life challenge, they're looking for help. As we continue to face uncertainty, many families are feeling weary and need to know God's love and hope. That's why Focus on the Family Canada provides broadcasts on a variety of topics, online articles and downloads, kids of integrity lessons, prayer support, counseling consultations, and more. But we cannot provide this free content without you. Your donation today will make sure families have a trusted place to turn to for help and hope. You can provide them with relevant, practical, and biblical support that addresses the issues they're facing. Will you donate today? Call 1-800-A-FAMILY or visit focusonthefamily.ca to make your donation. That's focusonthefamily.ca. Are you passionate about optimizing websites that deliver value, perform well, and engage their audience? Can you lead a project from start to finish? Named one of the best Christian workplaces in Canada, Focus on the Family Canada is looking for a web development lead to join and manage our dynamic web development team in Langley, B.C., If you or someone you know feels called to serve families while growing in their skills, explore current job openings today at focusonthefamily.ca slash employment. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. First thing we have to do is to remember our promise. I said I would cherish her. Am I doing what I already committed to do? Wives, you said you would cherish your husband. Are you doing that. Husbands, wives want more than simply hearing, I love you. They want to be cherished. They want Song of Songs 4-9, you have stolen my heart. My sister, my bride, you have stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes. They want to know, men, that they still have that hold on us, that there's something about seeing them in a crowd that just makes us stop short. And where I was so convicted by the Lord is I realized If I don't learn to cherish my spouse and continue to practice cherishing my spouse, she will never be a cherished wife. I'm the only one that can do that. And one thing that shocked me after I'd gone through this for a ways, I was working in my office for a couple hours. I heard Lisa waking up. And the best way to describe it is my heart leapt. I began to cherish Lisa because I believe God convicted me to do it. He said I'd made the promise. I wanted to be obedient. But like all of God's commands, we're blessed when we do them. And I realize it makes sense. When you learn to cherish your spouse, the fact that they're awake and you get to interact with them, that makes you excited because your favorite person in the world is now awake. It wasn't like that the first 10 years of our marriage. It wasn't like that the first 20 years of our marriage. You know what, wives? Your husband's want to hear it too. Now, they're going to be suspicious of the word cherish. When I would interview guys while I was writing the book, it's almost like, do I have to turn in my man card if I say I want to be cherished? But you know what? They want the concept. A pastor I know was traveling with seven men. These were all leaders in his church, men that the whole church looked up to, families that the whole church would look up to. 
He wanted to figure out what was going on with these marriages. He said, guys, how many of your wives love you? All seven hands went up. Then he said this, how many of your wives like you? All seven hands went down. Every man felt loved. Not one felt cherished. Their attitude was, she's a good Christian woman. She'll be true to me. She's not going to leave me. But at best, I'm tolerated. And what that does, women, it creates an entirely different dynamic in marriage. After Cherish had just come out, I was speaking at this large church. Something happened, doesn't happen very often to me. I got as sick as I've ever been. By God's grace, I rarely get sick, which is good when you try to set your schedule a year in advance. But I barely got through the event. And then I was in the hotel room with Lisa that night. And you know how when the fever breaks, you start to shiver and you're so cold. So I'm just kind of shivering there in bed. And Lisa starts to pull me close. I said, honey, watch out. You're going to get sick. This is awful. And she said, well, aren't you cold? I said, yeah. She pulls me closer and says, I got to get you warm. That sounds gross to the younger couples. But wise, let me ask you, uh, husbands, let me ask you, what will a wife do for a man that truly cherishes her? In my experience, whatever she has to do for his welfare. And wives, what do you think a man will do for a wife that he knows truly cherishes him? In a world, a competitive world where he often doesn't measure up, where he might get fired, he might be losing his mojo as he gets older and his hair and all the other stuff that goes on, and yet he comes home and here's a woman that doesn't tolerate him. She cherishes him. What will he do for her? Whatever he has to do for her welfare. So what are the one of the steps? It's just so difficult to try to challenge a, a book in, in 20 minutes or encapsulate it. But here's one thing that is so crucial. It begins with a new mindset. Romans 12, 2 says this, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If I want to begin to cherish my spouse, I have to find a mental image that makes me maintain that right approach of thinking about my spouse. And I want to go back to the Garden of Eden. Just what I think is so powerful for a brief slice of time. Eve was literally the only woman in the world. There was no one Adam could compare her to. He couldn't say where her hair is thick, but she's not as athletic as that one or as funny as that one. And, and the same thing was true that Adam was literally the only man in the world. Eve couldn't say, well, you know, he's not very relationally involved. He's got a good sense of humor, but he's not as athletic or as hardworking as that one. Adam defined for Eve and Eve defined for Adam what a man is and even more what a man or a woman is supposed to be. And if I want to cherish my spouse, I have to have this attitude where I look at my wife as Eve, the only woman in the world. Comparison stops. Comparison is the opposite of cherishing. Comparison leads to contempt because what we do is we compare our spouse's weaknesses to another spouse's strengths. And I just ask, why do we do that? It never helps. I know you've done it. Have you ever negatively compared your spouse mentally for 10 or 15 minutes? And then do you ever end up saying, I feel so happy right now. I have so much more joy. I feel so much more. No, but we, we still do it. I love to read the Christian classics. And one of the writers had a beautiful image of how everything in creation 
is just an imperfect shadow because only God has everything in totality. The example he used in nature would be, for example, a blackbird. Beautiful voice, not much to look at. A peacock, annoying voice, beautiful bird. If we allow that to be true in marriage, we recognize we can only find God to be fully, totally complete. So we stop comparing our spouse. If we married a peacock, we are so into peacocks. If we married a blackbird, we are thankful for blackbirds. We make this commitment to contentment. Song of Songs 6-9, guys, this is what every wife wants to experience. My dove, my perfect one, is the only one. Comparison has stopped. I cherish you. It's to have this exclusive attitude. I was speaking at a sacred marriage conference one time. Is at a big church and we were running late. They came into the green room and they said, Gary, we can't open the church doors until you come out uh, and do a mic check. We forgot to do it. And I said, oh, okay. So I'm rushing there. My wife's setting up the table. She couldn't be here tonight. I'll get into that in just a moment this morning. And, uh, it, but if you had met her, she just looks freakishly young. Uh, one time she's at the book table and somebody said, you must be so proud of your daddy. And she said, I am, but he didn't write these books, right? So it kind of defends what this woman said. So this middle-aged woman saw, I went by Lisa. I didn't have time to stop. They said, we're hurry. So I just kind of pat her on the rear end and smile, which she doesn't mind. I wouldn't do it if she did. Is acknowledging her. And this woman got this nasty look on her face. She marches up to Lisa. Is that Gary Thomas? And Lisa's just taking, um, yeah. She got even angry. Are you his wife? And Lisa just felt like I was being insulted, like I would act that way. And she wouldn't normally respond this way, but it just sort of came out. She said, no, he was with his wife last weekend. This weekend, it's my turn. I said, Ani, you can't say that. She goes, but Gary, that's not you in a million years. That's not, I go, she doesn't know that. Read the paper. She did clear it up, by the way, if that is going around. But it's this notion where this woman said, you only look at your wife that way. You only treat your wife that way. I want to have that same expectation for me mentally, that my dove, my perfect one, is the only one. And learn to even showcase her to myself so I can see her excellence. The challenge is, and, and this is just neurologically true, neuroscientists talk about a state called tolerance. If you don't seek to remember the blessings of your spouse, which is why one year I created a journal and every day I wrote down something I was thankful for Lisa, a character trait or something she had done. And it became this Christmas present that I gave to her at the end of the year. Because I know if we don't do that, what happens is something great just becomes the status quo, the normal. You stop cherishing your spouse and you start comparing your spouse. And so when I gave her that journal, at first, she was upset with me because she thought I was asking her to fill something out. And she goes, that's so not me. And then she saw what it was and she started to tear up. And my oldest daughter said, sheesh, dad, that's like something you see in a Hallmark movie that nobody ever actually does. But here's the thing. I want my kids to know I cherish your mom. It's not enough that we made it to 36 years of marriage. I want him to be able to say when I die, he cherished her for 50 years or 60 years. Love is good. Love is great. But love and cherish is even better. Thank you.
Wow, uh, what a powerful example of the principle of cherishing your spouse. Uh, this has been a best of 2021 edition of Focus on the Family featuring Gary Thomas. Boy, John, as we said at the top of the program, Gary always uh, makes me want to do better as a husband and father, and he did it again today. Uh, you know, over the years, I've kept journals for each of my boys, writing uh, notes to them as I traveled around the world, literally, for Focus on the Family. But it never occurred to me to keep a journal for Jean, uh, writing down what I love about her, even just for one year like Gary did for Lisa, his wife. What a gift. That really is a great idea, something I might try to do for Dina in in the future. Definitely. Uh, It's just one of the many great ideas found in Gary's book. It's called Cherish, the One Word That Changes Everything for Your Marriage. Get a copy from us here at Focus on the Family Canada, and the proceeds will go right back into our efforts to strengthen and save marriages across Canada. Here's just one example of the impact we're having on marriages every day. Uh, We heard from a listener named Amanda who said, I've been listening to Focus on the Family since I was in high school, Mm -hmm. knowing that I would need marriage and parenting advice for the future. Now I can say that Focus has made a huge impact on our 30-year marriage and helped us raise four children to adulthood. I don't know why I've never donated. Now that I think about it, I was pretty selfish to benefit from the broadcast, but never financially support your efforts to get them on the air. Please accept my donation, and thank you for staying so biblical and relevant over the years. Well, it's wonderful to hear from a longtime listener like Amanda, and it's great to think that even back in those high school years, she was um, learning through Focus on the Family kind of about the challenges ahead and uh, getting the tools she would need to succeed. Ah, That's right. And, you know, the past year has been difficult for so many families, and many marriages are struggling under the stresses caused by the pandemic. But our research shows that over the last 12 months, we've helped over 100,000 couples across North America navigate and survive a major marital crisis. And almost 600,000 couples say focus on the family, help them build a stronger and more satisfying marriage. A lot of people don't know about the many resources that we offer to support your marriage in addition to the broadcast. We have a free online marriage assessment where you and your spouse can take a short quiz and then see the strengths of your relationship and the areas that you could use a bit of work. We have the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast, hosted by Greg and Aaron Smalley, which provides marriage-focused advice and encouragement from a variety of guests. We have a team of counselors here that are available to spend time with you on the phone if you have an issue in your marriage that you need to discuss. It's a free service that we provide. Mm -hmm. And for marriages that need even more help, we have a four-day intensive called Hope Restored, where couples who are experiencing challenges can find healing with a success rate of over 80% when we uh, survey those couples two years later. All of these resources and so much more are available thanks to our donors. We rely on you to help us in our marriage-strengthening efforts, bringing hope to families each and every day. So if you've benefited from these broadcasts like Amanda, please donate. And you can give by calling 800, the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459 or donate online and request Gary's book at focusonthefamily.ca When you get in touch, be sure to ask about a CD of today's program to share with your spouse or a friend. 
Next time, more from our top broadcasts of 2021. Deborah Faleta will explore the healing process and what it means to be healthy in every aspect of your life. In this world, we will go through hard things, you know, and, and to be able to face those with confidence and um, acknowledge those hurts, make space for them is one of the ways that we heal. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.